0: Welcome uh, to our service today. Uh, before we begin, just a couple of uh, notices. Um, first of all, the loss and grief group um, will be meeting this month on the 25th of August at 10:30 a.m. Uh, if the weather is nice, uh, which it has been up till today, I guess, or yesterday, um, we'll be, they will be meeting on the common in Pelsall. But if the weather is bad. Uh, the meeting will be here at the church uh, on the 25th of August. So I guess you'll know where that will be. You'll be contacted or just look out the window and see uh, what the weather's like. thing is, when I make a joke at the moment, I'm the only one that thinks it's funny because I don't see anyone else laughing because you all got masks on. But um, it's really kind of odd. Uh, the second um, notice just to make is that next week, um, Tim will be back uh, uh, speaking from Judges. Uh, Paula and I will be away now for a couple of weeks, Uh, so things will just carry on in Judges uh, from next week uh, during Sunday mornings. Uh, So we're going to begin this morning with uh, a time uh, of prayer together, just uh, standing and reading uh, the words that are going to be appearing on the screen. So we'll stand together, uh, read uh, these words, and then we'll sit down and hear Uh, A song that relates to the words we are uh, praying. Uh, The words we're going to pray are taken from Psalm 103, uh, a wonderful psalm uh, praising the Lord. So let's stand together and pray this together. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my most inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Please take your seats. Well, this morning we're going to consider the ninth commandment regarding uh, not giving false testimony, Uh, and much of this is to do with our speech and how we uh, use the words that come from our mouths. Uh, James chapter 3 speaks of the tongue and the power it has both to bless and to destroy, and Erin is going to come and read uh, that chapter of the Bible with us. So if you have a Bible and want to turn there, uh, that is James uh, chapter 3.
1: James chapter three, starting at verse one. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault is what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take a ship's as example, Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the course of one's life on fire, and itself is on fire by hell Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevines bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthy and spiritual and demonic from where you have envy and selfish ambition you uh, there you will find disorder and every evil practice but the wisdom comes from heaven is first of all pure then peace-loving considerate submissive full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness
0: Well, let's uh, spend some time in prayer. Heavenly Father, when we read those words uh, from James, we realize that whilst we have used our tongues to praise you, we've done that this morning as we've uh, read Psalm 103, uh, we have also used them to tear down and to destroy. We confess that we have so often used our words to build our own reputations and to ruin the reputations of others. And so often we have not used our words to point people to Jesus. And we pray for forgiveness for this, and we thank you that we can do this because of the death of Jesus Christ for our sins. And today we want to confess with our mouths and say from our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord we believe in him and we want to bring him glory in our words and in our deeds. We pray that our lives would tell out the glories of who you are and show the world what you have done in Christ to save us from sin. Now, to this end we pray again for the uh, distribution of leaflets that have been going out in Pelsall uh, over the last few weeks. We pray that they would have an impact on our community for Christ. In these times of fear and uncertainty, we pray that people would find the sure and certain hope that can be found in Christ alone. And as we've been thinking about our words, we pray for the proclamation of your word. we think today of the work of the Wycliffe Bible translators, especially Richard and Jen Margetts in Mali. We thank you that they are able to translate the scriptures into the Bambara language and we pray that you would prosper their work, that many tongues in that language would speak your word and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We pray uh, for uh, Jen's pregnancy to go well and the safe delivery of their child and pray that both of their children would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ for themselves. And I pray today, Heavenly Father, that as we come uh, shortly to hearing the preaching of your word, that the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, our next song uh, continues the theme of of speaking out uh, the glories of our Lord. Uh, Our boast should not be in ourselves. It should be speaking of the glories of God. So our next song is Tell Out My Soul. as we did last week, we're going to now uh, read the Ten Commandments together as a congregation. Uh, And as with last time, I'll read the words in red, and then all of us together can read the words that are in black. Uh, And hopefully as we do this, we'll be able to uh, just keep learning together uh, this really important section of of God's Word. So let's stand uh, to read. And again, I'll read the the red bits on my own, and we'll all read together the bits that are in black. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Please uh, take your seats. And that passage was from Exodus chapter 20. Uh, verses 1 to 16, so if you have a Bible and want to turn to Exodus chapter 20, uh, that's where we're going to spend uh, our time. Uh, There'll be other places in the Scriptures we'll go, uh, and all of those will be on the screen behind me, Uh, but the text for this morning really is Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16. Uh, This week, uh, Paula and I were watching uh, a drama where a man who, with his wife had opened an orphanage uh, years later, was falsely accused of abuse by one of the orphans that that he had helped. He was accused, not publicly, but threatened with public exposure so that he would give money to this person who had accused him. Now, this man had everything someone in this world might wish for. He was very rich, Uh, he had a lovely home, he had a comfortable retirement, he was a key uh, leader in his community, and yet at this accusation, although he had done nothing wrong, he attempted to take his own life. Two of the characters, uh, who were police officers who had found him before he had died and had taken him to hospital, were discussing his case in the waiting room as they waited, awaited an update of what was happening. One of the characters asked the other, why would someone take their own life if they were innocent of this crime? And the other character quoted this from William Shakespeare. This is from Othello. Good name in man and woman, dear my lord... Is the immediate jewel of their souls. who steals my purse, steals trash, tis something, nothing. Twas mine, tis his, and has been slave to thousands. But he that filches from me my good name, robs me of that which enriches him and which not enriches him, and makes me poor indeed. A person can endure much. But not many can endure the filching of a good name. Reputation, or a good name, is key to understanding this ninth commandment. Now, if we memorize the Ten Commandments, we might know this one as, You shall not lie, which is what this means. But the actual commandment says, if you read it there in Exodus chapter 20, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. So the context of this command is the law courts. Now, up until quite recently, uh, we did not have DNA evidence or fingerprints to convict people of crimes. And so the key to conviction was witnesses. And in Israel, the judicial system was based on witnesses, and to mitigate against miscarriages of justice, a conviction could not take place unless there were at least two witnesses. So in Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 15, we read this, one witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they may have committed a matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You see, with one witness on his own, there was a risk of a false testimony because of a vendetta against the person accused. But this commandment speaks of not giving false testimony ever, whether you are the only witness or not. And then Deuteronomy 19 goes on to speak about the punishment for false witnesses. If the witness proves to be a liar, giving false testimony against a fellow Israelite, then do to the false witness as that witness intended to do to the other party. So the punishment for a false witness was that they would receive the punishment that they tried to put on someone else. The reason that false witness was so serious was because it destroys someone's name or reputation. Now, we know this to be true, don't we, today? So, for example, it can take years for a restaurant proprietor to gain a reputation for producing good food and service in their restaurant. But one false claim of food poisoning can ruin a reputation in a restaurant that has take, took years to build up. Or a teacher, for example, can spend years building a reputation for being an amazing teacher who loves their children and provides an excellent education. But one false claim of abuse can destroy what has spent years to be, uh, have been built up. And on it goes. And in the worst case scenario, a falsely accused person can end up in prison for a crime that they didn't commit and have their reputation tarnished forever. This is a kind of worst-case scenario of lying, isn't it? But as with all of the commandments, it applies much deeper than just the worst case. And we're going to see how all of us have failed in this area. Uh, reputation is, is key to understanding this command about lying, We almost always lie due to either our own reputation or someone else's. It's always something to do with reputation. And this is true in two different ways. Either, first of all, we lie to ruin someone else's reputation. So a perfect example of that in the Bible is in Genesis 37, uh, Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with Joseph. He refused... And so, in her anger at him, she falsely accused him of attempting to rape her. Joseph lost lost the reputation that he had built up as a good household manager over many years, and he was thrown in prison. This command tells us that we are to respect someone else's reputation. But, secondly, we lie in order to build up our own reputation another example in the bible of this is peter when he was arrested by jesus uh, by the uh, so when jesus was arrested and he was accused of knowing jesus he was asked if he was a friend of jesus three times he lied and said no i have nothing to do with this man i don't even know who he is Why did Peter deny three times that he even knew Jesus? To protect his own reputation. He didn't want to look bad in front of other people, so he said, I do not know him. So as well as this command teaching us not to uh, destroy someone else's reputation, it also tells us that we should not idolize our own reputation. So we can think of this command of one that is respecting reputation. If we are to think, though, of the opposite of lying or giving false testimony, uh, we can think of integrity or speaking the truth. And there is real freedom in integrity. Why? Because lying is exhausting. It's exhausting because one lie leads to another and leads to another. And you're always looking over your shoulder Uh, I was wondering whether to tell this story or not, but I I, I thought it was a good example from my own life of a lie that I once uh, told that built up into many more lies. Uh, When I was a teenager, uh, I was uh, allowed to be left at home on my own for a couple of days while my parents and sisters went away. And I decided that I would throw a party in my house for all my friends. And it was a total disaster. Uh, One guy was sick on the carpet, which I hoovered up with my mum's vax. Uh, My little sister's light fitting uh, was smashed. Uh, The washing line got bent, uh, among a whole heap of other things that went wrong in my house. And I didn't want to admit to my mum what I had done, and so I decided to try and hide all the evidence of the crime and make up stories for things that she found. So when my mum next went over the house with the vax and asked me, why is it smell of sick? I told her that I'd spilt some milk and I tried to clean up the milk with the vax, which I thought was very responsible of me, wasn't it, mum? When she asked what on earth happened to the washing line, I just claimed I had no idea. Maybe someone had climbed over the wall and, and broken it. And I searched all around Plymouth City Centre for a light fitting that perfectly matched my sister's. And after all day of searching, I found the exact one, and I fitted it perfectly. No one would notice, except for in the night, when my sister rolled over onto a piece of glass that I hadn't seen in her bed. And that's when I had to just own up. It was one lie after another, after another, after another. I was constantly having to think on my feet, and it was exhausting, watching over my shoulder to find what my mum would see next. It would, have been so, it would have been so much easier to confess and take the consequences. But why didn't I do that? Because I was terrified about what my mum would think of me. I was protecting my reputation, which only got worse when you get found out. It is exhausting to protect our reputation by living a lie, keeping up an appearance that isn't real. And you spend your life wondering whether you will ever get found out. Uh, One thinks in recent years of of, uh, Lance Armstrong wanting to maintain a reputation for being the best cyclist ever, but constantly having to lie about his use of performance-enhancing drugs. It must have been exhausting for all those years, telling lies and trying to cover things up. Our reputation may well be harmed if we own up to wrongdoing. But actually, having integrity will give you a better reputation. One that God wants you to have, a reputation for telling the truth. How much better and freeing for people to know us as people of integrity, Rather than people that are rich or amazing or whatever else, we want people to think of us. However, rather than being people of integrity, we sacrifice this freedom on the altar of our reputation. And we see this in the failure of lies. False testimony actually is an interesting phrase. The context is the law courts, but the word can also mean speaking what is worthless, useless, unfounded, or empty of value. In fact, this commandment really covers most of what we talk about. And often, a lot of what we talk about is about ourselves and our reputation. And as we look at our failure, I want us to see how all of our lies are usually either putting someone else down or building ourselves up. So we've seen extreme examples of the law courts, but there are other forms of just blatant lying. So there are lies of denial. So, it wasn't me when it was. Why do we say that? To protect our reputation. There are even lies of confirmation. So, yes, that was me when it wasn't. Usually, to promote ourselves to make people think we've done something really good. Or sometimes we even say it was me to try and protect someone else from getting in trouble, which really is to protect their reputation. That's blatant lying and it's wrong. An interesting form of of blatant lying is one that I've been mulling over but don't really know how to to deal with. Uh, It's it's when we we lie uh, as a form of kindness. So when someone says, uh, does this dress suit me? Or we're over someone else's house and they say, are you enjoying the food? Often we lie in answer to those questions. Why? Well, because we don't want them to dislike us. We don't want to be mean. But we need to perhaps think through how to respond uh, to those kind of questions. Because it's not right to lie. How else do we respond? That's something to, to perhaps discuss over dinner, especially if the food's not very nice. Uh, We can lie in other ways than than blatant lying. Uh, We can lie by deflection. So we are caught doing something wrong, and rather than just own up, we say, it was him or it was her, which is a blatant lie, or more normally, well, they did it too, which is deflecting the sin from me to someone else. Uh, This is perhaps most common when we are found uh, to have done something wrong and then we just throw it back in someone's face. Uh, So uh, perhaps when a spouse might say, why do you do this? And the other person says, but you do that. That's another form of lying. We don't own it. We protect our reputation or we try to damage theirs. Another way that we lie to promote our reputation is through exaggeration. We say that we ran that bit further or faster than we did, or we tell people our salary is a bit higher, we exaggerate how good we are at something, or sometimes in a false humility, how bad we are at something. Some Christians want to exaggerate by beefing up their testimony, because it just seems so boring compared to someone else's, and so we exaggerate the circumstances of our pre-conversion life, or something like that. Uh, Linked to this kind of exaggeration is what we post on social media uh, when we try and aim for the perfect picture which bears no resemblance to reality whatsoever. This is a form of lying, a form of exaggeration, isn't it? And it's all about building ourselves up. And living a lie in that way, by the way, is just exhausting, isn't it? The, 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 The influences on social media... Uh, their biggest fear so often is someone finding out what they're really like and what an exhausting life to live, to try and just find the perfect photo to put on the, 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 the platform so everyone can see. It's a form of, of lies. Uh, linked to exaggeration uh, is flattery, where we tell people how wonderful they are, beefing up their feelings of good reputation so that we can get what we want from them. And then we fail in this command also through gossip. Now, gossip is interesting because gossip isn't necessarily blatant lying. Because in in a sense, gossip is where we tell someone else the truth about someone else. But that truth is used for an evil purpose to tear someone else down. Gossip is breaking this commandment because it tarnishes someone else's reputation to make us feel good about our own. That's why people love celebrity gossip. We love to see the downfall of someone else who up to this point we have seen as better than us. And I also would say that listening to gossip in silence is breaking this command because the flip side is to protect the reputation of others. And linked to gossip is slander, Slander is where we deliberately pass on what is false or what we think is true but we don't know about another person. And although we might not think we do slander, we actually do when we make assumptions about someone else's motives. So when we get perhaps an email from someone and we just assume we know what they're thinking. Or we just assume, well they've sent me this just to upset me. Or when we look at someone and how they dress and we make assumptions like, well, they must be rich or they must be poor or uneducated or whatever, when we make those kind of assumptions about people, even in our minds, which impacts how we treat them, that is a form of slander and of breaking this command of giving false testimony. So again, we need to be careful about what we think about people. Another uh, and final interesting failure in this area, perhaps that we don't think about very often, is that of ridicule. I include this because ridicule is about ruining reputation as well. We ridicule someone when we want to put them down, and usually it's to build us up at someone else's expense, isn't it? When we point at someone and laugh at them and make them feel small, Almost always it's to make us feel big. And uh, one example where I see this all the time is when young people, especially boys, it seems, want to impress the girl. And to impress the girl, they'll put all the other boys around them down and make them look silly and stupid and laugh at them. It's totally wrong. And the boys will do that to make themselves look big, to impress the girl, and I just encourage you, young people, don't do that. Don't try and make yourself look big by putting others down. And to be honest, girl, I don't. I mean, I'm not a girl, but I don't believe that they're impressed by it either. Really. In fact, why don't you ask them? An interesting, though, uh, aside to mention on this command uh, is about what, it, what about in the Bible when someone has lied and it seems to be okay. So there are two incidents in particular that are cited with this command. There is Rahab, who hid the Israelite spies in her loft, and when the men from Jericho came and asked her where they are, she said, I don't know, but they've, they must have run off in the other direction. And the second common one is the Egyptian midwives who were asked by Pharaoh to kill all the Israelite baby boys but they refused, and they lied and just said, well, the Israelite mothers seem to give birth so quickly that when we arrive, the babies are already, uh, are already there. We, we haven't got time to kill them, if you like. And in fact, in that incident in Exodus chapter 2, we read, so because of this, God was kind to the midwives. So it seems that God even approved of what these midwives were doing. Well, what do we say to this? Is it, is, it, is it right to lie then? Well, these are extreme circumstances. I'm sure most of us uh, haven't had to lie because we're protecting the lives of some spies that uh, we need to, or we're, we're asked to kill someone else. Uh, but the point here is that neither of those cases had a reputation at stake. And I think that's the key. None of those cases had reputation at stake. Both of those cases had protection of life at stake. And so when, if we're called in a situation where we are protecting life, then I think we have a mitigation there. But if we have to lie to protect our reputation or to bring someone else's reputation down, then I would say that it is always wrong. Again, something to discuss uh, perhaps over your dinner or whatever but after hearing some of those ways that this commandment is broken i think all of us can say that we have failed in this command and some words uh, came to my mind which are pretty terrifying from jesus he says but i tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Now this is terrifying, isn't it? Because all of us have failed with our words. Our words condemn us all. Which is why we can be thankful for Jesus, the one who is the fulfillment of integrity. As with all of the commandments, we see Jesus fulfill this perfectly. Perfectly. Uh, Peter quotes Isaiah and he applies it to Jesus. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. No lies came from Jesus' mouth ever. Jesus was a true witness to who God is. He cared not for his own reputation, but for the reputation of his father in heaven, and he care- and he cares enough. For us to allow his reputation to be dragged through the mud as he is treated like a sinner when he had done nothing wrong and he took the punishment that we deserve for all of our lies. His reputation was ruined because of us. And as Jesus goes to the cross, we see that he suffers from the false witnesses of the religious leaders who had plotted to kill him they deliberately lied about him they talked Jesus down to the crowds they falsely accused him in many ways and he suffered from Pontius Pilate allowing these false reports to be acted upon even though he knew that Jesus had done nothing wrong Pilate should have stood up for Jesus but he allowed him to be crucified. And even after Jesus rose from the dead, the religious leaders continued their false testimony against Jesus. Listen to Matthew's Gospel. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. And even today, in the 21st century, in the, the, the flying in the face of all the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there are these false reports false testimonies that are going around about Jesus, saying that he didn't rise from the dead when he most clearly did. And this is why it is so important that Christian people are true witnesses, are people of integrity, are people who are concerned for his reputation, and not our own. How are the world going to believe that Jesus is risen from the dead if we are not believable in the way we live our lives and in the words that we speak? We need to be people of integrity if people are going to believe the witness about Jesus. And so with the power of the Holy Spirit now living in us, who, by the way, the Holy Spirit who bears witness to Jesus, that's the role of the Spirit, We now, as God's people, have a future of integrity. Jesus uh, speaks about this command in the Sermon on the Mount, when he speaks about giving oaths. People were trying to get around being honest by having some oaths that were binding and some oaths that were non-binding. There was no integrity in the words that people gave. And they try to evade responsibility. But Jesus tells them this. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. The point here is that we need to be known as people who mean what they say. People who keep their commitments. So this means keeping our commitments in our marriages to our spouses. We have promised in our words to love and honor them in good times and bad. This means keeping our word to our children. If you say you will do something, you must do it. This means keeping our word to our employers, to be honest in our work, working with integrity. This means as church members, we have membership commitments. That as, as members of this church, we say together and commit to as a public witness. And when we don't fulfill those commitments, we are being false witnesses. Last week, we read Ephesians 4, and Paul is helpful there again. He writes this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. We are told here to speak truthfully, And the reason is that we are members of one body. In other words, integrity is integral to unity as a church. We cannot maintain our unity as a body of people or our witness to the world around us when we are lying to one another. And a future of integrity also involves standing up for others when their name is dragged through the mud. Kevin DeYoung says these helpful words. Most of us could recover more quickly if we lost our home, our cars, or our bank accounts than if we lost our good name. If you lose your stuff, people feel sorry for you and rally around you. But if you lose your good name and reputation, nobody wants to touch you. A good name can take a lifetime to build and a single afternoon to lose. As we said at the beginning, he who filches our good name robs us. And so if we're going to love our neighbor, and that doesn't just mean other Christians, that means anybody, we need to protect them against that and not be part of it ourselves. We need to give people the benefit of the doubt, just like we would want people to do for us. Uh, for, for, For children and young people, When you're at school, stand up for those who are being laughed at and bullied. Be a friend to those who have no friends. Don't be a part of that kind of ridicule. For all of us, let's not be gossips about other people. Let us be kind and speak well of others. And I think a future of integrity also speaks into how we use our tongue more generally so in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Or, and everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. But most of all, we need to destroy the idol of wanting to build our own reputation. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are saved by grace, so we do not boast in ourselves. We care not for our own reputation. And a future of integrity is one where we only boast in Jesus and his work. So Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Our lives as God's people should be concerned with boasting in him, in building him up, in making his name go forth into this world. We should not care about what people think about what we look like. So much of our lives is spent in the exhaustion of wanting people to like us, wanting people to think well of us. And we care not a jot for what people think of Christ. Christian, let's be different. Let us be bothered more. About what people think of Jesus. And if we do that, people are going to think less of us because we're going to live lives which are countercultural and people are not going to like you very much at times. Let us boast in Christ and build Him up. Well, our final song um, links to this kind of thought as we end. It speaks of the love of Christ for us on the cross, Uh, how deep the Father's love for us, but in the last verse we hear about how this amazing love of Christ should cause us to boast only in him. So let us listen to these words about how Jesus has loved us so much, and let us respond by saying from our hearts that I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.